Hello and welcome back to Joe's Art History Podcast, a podcast which celebrates all things art historical with me, your host and your resident art historian, Joe McLaughlin. It's episode 48 and this week I'm joined by UK-based photographer Rachel Vogelison to talk about one of art history's greatest female painters, Artemisia Gentileschi. Artemisia Gentileschi was an Italian Baroque painter and she's considered one of the most accomplished 17th century artists. She has an incredible backstory working in her father's studio and she was producing professional works by the age of 15 and went on to amass an unbelievably impressive career, finding patrons at a time where both the art world and society paid very little attention to female artists in the field. Many of Gentileschi's paintings feature women from myths, allegories and the Bible, including a lot of victims and warriors. In today's episode, Rachel and I sit down to discuss four such works by Artemisia, where we break down the meaning behind each piece, why Artemisia herself has become a feminist icon, and discuss the stories which Artemisia depicts within her works still very much ring true in today's society. If you haven't heard of Artemisia Gentileschi, you're in for a treat. She is, in my opinion, untouchable in terms of skill and is right up there with some of the best painters, I think, ever. Artemisia is known particularly for her ability to depict female figures with great naturalism and for her skill in handling colour to express dimension and drama within her works. What's particularly interesting about Artemisia is that she very much disappeared within the history of art and was very much overshadowed for a long time by an event which happened to her when she was 18 years old, where she was raped by a member of her father's artistic studio. Today, however, she's regarded as one of art history's finest and Rachel is the perfect person to take you on this journey and explain just why. She is incredibly passionate about Artemisia's outpour and it was a real privilege to speak to her for an hour about this amazing artist. So all that's left to do is sit back and relax as Rachel and I discuss the brilliant Artemisia Gentileschi. What's the first time that you came across Artemisia? Uh, I came across Artemisia the first time it was uh, probably the late 80s in France there was a movie who came out about her story and I can't remember if it was a French or Italian movie but I was fascinated by her story first of all I I love Renaissance painting but I rarely saw women uh, painting um, at that time and for the first time I heard about a woman painter and she was painting at the time of the Renaissance where women were not allowed to have an education they could hardly they didn't have any freedom at all they belonged to their dad or uh, their brothers their husband so here you have a woman who is um becoming a painter she uh, she's learning to paint with her father and then she becomes independent and well-known traveling all over europe and selling a painting finding benefactors so um yeah this is how i came across and i think her painting is so strong and so bold and um i've always been fascinated by women trailblazers especially at times where women couldn't do anything they really had to find through the convention they really had to fight for their freedom they had to go beyond what uh, people would allow them to do 
and yeah. she was on yeah so she that's really fascinating me and of course I love her work she is really really strong it's bold I think she went even further than her male counterpart in in what she painted I completely agree with you she's somebody that in the last 18 months particularly since the the National Gallery in London had their uh, sort of blockbuster show on her that she's really she's having dare I say a renaissance in in, her, in and of herself people are, are suddenly paying attention to her because she very much disappeared from the history books but she's in she is incredible and but she's somebody I think maybe it's because she's a woman that her story and particularly certain events that happened to her in life have perhaps taken away or very much sort of read mm -hmm. into People love to sort of use her experiences and traumas of her life and read into her paintings. But what, regardless of her story, you cannot take away the skill and the passion and power that are behind some of these works that we're going to talk about today. Could you just give people um, just a very quick overview of, of Artemisia? Who was she and you know when did she operate and where could we have found her? Uh, Artemisia was operating, was, uh, she was living in Italy, she grew up in Italy, she learned painting with her father at the time of the Renaissance um, She uh, in the 17th century, so uh, she was under the influence of also of uh, Caravaggio and she started to paint uh, quite young. And, and she, she moved around a lot uh, yeah, in Italy. I think at some point she even lived in the UK. And again, so unusual because this was a woman at this time doing this. She has an amazing history. She was one of the first women to, or I think the first woman, to be accepted into the Academy of Arts in Florence. She trained under her father, who was a painter. She, you know, she lived in Rome, Florence, Naples, like you said. She came to London and lived in London for a little while. She helped her father on a, on a fresco commission for the court of Charles I. And she also went to Spain and worked, I'm sure she went to Spain and worked on something for Philip IV of Spain at the same time or uh, during her lifetime. So she was incredibly well-traveled and also well-respected, which sounds like something that should just be so obvious, but we can't really stress enough that she was essentially until she was married under the control of her father and her brothers. And she had, um, yeah, she's, she's just somebody who is completely fascinating in her talent. And she was quite young as well when she started exhibiting on her own and, and showing her things. So it's, um, I, just, I just think there's just nobody like her within the history of art. No, I agree. I think the thing is, uh, there's very little women artists at the time. I don't know, maybe there have been others, but we haven't heard about this. But I think Artemisia really, yeah, she's uh, she's really standing out. And what is really weird, as you said, yeah, she disappeared a bit from the history books. And I don't know why she disappeared, because I, she seemed to be a non late 80s and then suddenly she disappeared again. I don't know why, and I agree, maybe the people are talking too much about the trauma that happened and forgetting a bit about her painting. But I'm glad she's having a renaissance again that uh, people are discovering her art and also the, the women behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And she's got a really, what, what I love about her art is that she portrays strong women, women sort of fighting back, women who are 
are, are sure of themselves and stand their ground. And I really love that because it's something, and she gives it a feminine power. As a woman, mm. I think she really gets into, okay, how how would this how would this make me feel? How would this look? And I think the first painting that we're going to talk about, which is just the most, I think one of the best paintings within the history of art is Judith beheading. I'm going to say this name wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's Holoburn. Yeah, that's Holoburn. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think the first time I saw this painting, I had a shock because I realizing that this was a woman, and because uh, also I've grown up with the idea that women should be should be quiet, should be um, having a stance and everything. But here you have a woman who is not scared, first of all, to show gory details, to show two women together against a man. And it's super bold, super powerful. You have very specific details and blood splashing. And uh, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, if a, w- a woman is allowed to do that, a woman is allowed to paint this, a woman is allowed to show a strength. So I think the message in this painting is... Um, I think it's very, very strong because you think, oh my gosh, yes, as a woman, we're allowed to be like this. We don't just have to be um, decent or we're we allowed to show, to be aggressive, to be bold, to be strong. And uh, I think, yes, this was really, this painting was really a shock for me. I think with the first time I saw it, especially if you see a man being beheaded, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the head cut, it's really... And everything in this painting, I think, uh, what I love, of course, is, is the drama she puts into it with the lighting. You have lights and, and shadows very strongly, and then she uses the primary colours. And, yeah, it's all like a drama theme in a theatre. And I guess this must be must have been the influence of her father, because I knew her father was quite a lot into uh, painting a bit dramatic and theatre. But, yeah, this is, I think, as I agree with you, this is really an amazing painting a very very strong impact and with a very very strong message as well yeah I didn't know that about her dad actually I didn't I didn't really read anything about him in preparation for the talk but um, I'll definitely have a look because her, her dad uh, who also goes uh, by the name Gentileschi and I think there's some works of him in the National Gallery as well. Exactly, actually. yeah. They were talking about it, especially, and you could see it's very, very uh, theatre staged. So you could see the influence of uh, Artemisia, but somewhat because most of the painting are also very like a, a theatre scene, very staged with a lot of light and shadows and adding drama to it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying she must have been influenced by her dad. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I saw it because yeah, there were some paintings of her dad in the, at the National Gallery. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it would completely make sense. She trained under her father, and she, uh-huh. I think she had four brothers. Her her four brothers were also painters, and they were all trained in her father's studio. And her father had lo- lots of artists kind of coming in and out of the studio, sort of training um, people that specialised in certain areas of painting. They they would collaborate, which is something I didn't know at this time. If you were if you were an artist and you were commissioned to paint a court scene, you would also work in collaboration with an artist who perhaps was a master of painting buildings and you were a figurative artist and then you would have somebody that came in and painted the, the foliage. So it was a really interesting time in terms of creativity. And of course, like she she must have just watched her her, her dad and, and learned these amazing skills. But there is a lovely quote um, that the, the head of Renaissance painting at the National Gallery uh, Letizia I think her name is from off the top of my head and she said that there's documents that say 
uh, Caro, um, Artemisia's father saying that, oh, my daughter, she's been painting independently for three years and she has a, she has a talent that is competed by no other or is in competition oh. with no other. So her father saw her and knew that she had, he had something really special in his hands there, like the way that she could master. I mean, regardless of gender or anything like that, when I look at um, Judith and her maid servant and how mm. the clothes that they wear, the detail, how the yeah. light hits their face, how they are physically using every ounce of their body weight to pin this, this man down. It's, uh, it's just, it's incredible. And you, you can feel the struggle and even how she grabs um, the general's hair. I feel that I uh, just, oh, the, the desperation and the, um, I don't know, the, the speed of which they're acting. I just, I think she just completely captures it in this painting. You know, I completely agree. I think you can really sense the energy and the, the physical fight. And um, yeah, it's, and everything also, the fashion, uh, facial expression, uh, the drapery and this blood splashing. It's really, really strong. Yeah, yeah I think it's, um, I, I love the energy in the painting. Here's a painting where you're supposed just to stand still and look at it, but you can't stand still. It just, you can just feel the energy and the fight, as you said. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and just, just for anybody at home that doesn't, um, that doesn't know the story of Judith and Holofernes. So Judith was this sort of renowned, beautiful Jewish woman and her city was under attack at, by an army and Holofernes was the, was the general and Judith sort of slipped out of the city with her servant and sort of dressed in their finest and said, oh, I'll help you um, conquer the city. So it's been misinterpreted that, that she seduced the general, but actually what happened was the general got very drunk and fell asleep and and um, Judith took her chance with her maidservant and and beheaded him as a way of showing that because essentially she was a, she was captured by the army and brought to the general and the whole idea is this these two women brought down an entire army by killing their general and the whole reason they were able to slip through and meet the general was because of their gender and they were completely underestimated in their abilities and I think that's a lovely sort of tip of the cap to surely what Artemisia must have been feeling in a studio training full of men. Yeah no I agree I think definitely it's uh, it's really a power fight and it's two women also I think maybe also represents society two women have to come together really to, to overcome a man and mm -hmm. it's really about maybe she's a little bit showing the struggle of uh, of women at, at the time, because yeah, as I said, as I said, um, you belong to a father, to a husband, you, you were not independent. So I think there's also, yeah, there's a strong message about um, the position of women in society and what maybe if women went together, they could fight also continue to empower themselves maybe at the time already. Yeah, I love that idea. I never even thought of that. I absolutely love that. This painting, she actually, the scene rather, she she painted it twice. So she painted yeah. one in 1612 to 1613 and 1620 to 1621, she revisited the scene. Now, there's a lot of speculation that the scene that she painted, she, and she painted this just after, um, a very traumatic episode in her life that completely changed and, and would change you as 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 an artist and as a person. She was raped by um, one of her father's studio hands, who was a fellow artist, 
And mm. a lot of art historians have sort of leaned into this narrative that this was kind of one of the paintings that she produced after the rape. And the rape is very well documented. She went through uh, an unbelievable trauma in, in terms of going to taking the gentleman to trial because he said he would marry her because apparently during that time, if you were sexually assaulted, but then your attacker married you, then that was even Stevens and that was everything forgiven, which is just disgusting. But it, she was dragged through trial. Um, she was tortured to make sure that she was telling the truth. And she was then married off very quickly and, and sent away from Rome, kind of in disgrace. And this painting was one of the first that she produced after the trial. And a lot of our historians have really lent into the narrative that it's her fighting back and showing her power as a woman mm. afterwards. I mean, how how does that theory sit with you? Uh, yeah, I think if you look at the first painting, I think it's much, the scene is much closer. Mm. Uh, maybe the focus is more, maybe the, the focus is more on Judith rather than the whole scene. But uh, yeah, because uh, I, I, when I saw this this movie of relating a story, of course they they show and they're depicting the the scene of the, the trial and everything and uh, everything she had to go through being tortured just to prove her innocence. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty horrifying thinking about that. Um, I know um, people speak about a lot about the the, uh, the trial and the rape, etc. But I'm sure it had it must have had an influence into her painting. And I can just see I don't know because this painting, the first one she, which is exposed in Napoli, is much more the scene is much more closer. So maybe it's it's just the first. No, I would say a first draft, but me much more related yeah to her personal story. And then maybe the second one she painted, she took some distance and maybe added some more of a message. Uh, I don't know. Really. Yeah, I mean, and it's all it's all speculation and yeah. uh, and narrative, but I I do think something like that and, and looking at choosing this as one of the first things that comes out of your studio after you've had such uh, after you've, you've gone through a trial and yeah. and a rape and sort of getting through that, I think it it might have in some way have influenced her decision in choosing to to depict this unless mm -hmm. this was of course commissioned by a patron i'm i'm not 100% sure uh, what it was painted for but um yeah it's it's got to have some sort of connotations i mean it's two women who have been completely undermined in, in their strength and their power i think it's it has a message in it that still is so relevant to women today, I find the power in numbers and a sort of a sisterhood and a bond that I think she just nails what a woman would, would feel in those situations. I think particularly, you, you've just touched on it briefly, Judith's face, how she's how her eyebrows are, are down. And, and it's funny because this she's not the only person that's painted this. Caravaggio also has a very, mm. very famous scene of, of Judith beheading and the Judith and Caravaggio seems very sort of weak and sort of almost very sort of bony skinny and she doesn't really know what she's she looks very sort of like oh gosh a bit sort of disgusted by her act whereas Judith here has really taken power and almost kind of mounting the bed to this act it's uh it's an unbelievable painting you could look at it forever and still find things to talk about even how he's grabbing her maid's sort of collar here to, and, and attempts to push her off you, you can just see from the grip of his hand of desperation around this maid is is unbelievable 
Yeah, no, I, I, I've seen the Caravaggio painting and it's, I agree, it's completely, um, I think the focus is definitely not on the woman and mm -hmm. they, they, they look a bit more, um, yeah, they're not really into the, in the act while um, what Artemisia has shown is really a lot of emotion, a lot of energy, boldness and she really put the women into the scene. She uh, she gives con she gives power to the women. While the car in the Caravaggio painting, you don't have this feeling really. So definitely, I think in all her painting, when you look at it, uh, she definitely gives power to to the women in depicted. That's a nice point to sort of move on because you've picked an, another really iconic work from Artemisia, which really, funnily enough, I have just recorded another episode with another woman called Melody and she she also chose she selected this painting as well and we, we speak about how uh stories within are are hidden so for this when you look at it you don't really think of this what's what's going on in the scene so this is a painting called Susanna and the Elders mm, but what I, mm. what I didn't realize is she's only about 17 when she paints this yeah. it's, it's unbelievable it's unbelievable yeah, no, I, I think she must have felt this uh, at the time also in society, how many young girls were married to, to somebody older, how many, and the, the, this girl didn't have any, any power. If somebody decided, okay, I want to marry you, and the guy was uh, 30 years older, they didn't, have a, they didn't have much of a choice. So I think maybe this scene is also really related to um, maybe what she experienced in society at the time, but also to show... Um, showing, giving maybe a message also to show to women that it's okay to to show your power. It's okay not to um, not to accept uh, advantages like that. And really, uh, especially from two elderly men, I think she's really depicting something that um, a lot of women must have experienced at the time. And I think this um, this painting is very. Um, it could be today. I think we, yeah. unfortunately, we are still, uh, even after Me Too, we, st we are still fighting. We are still having trying to find our position in society and really um, fighting the harassment and things like that. And it's just so actual, I would say, this painting. You've just hit the nail on the head there. When you really think about what's happening in this story, and for, for anyone that, that doesn't know the story behind Susanna and the Elders, Susanna is this beautiful woman and she's gone off to bathe and two, um, two elders of the community, so they're actually judges, follow her to the bathing pool and essentially say to her, you have to sort of succumb to our sexual advances or we'll tell the whole town that you've slept with us anyway and we'll completely ruin yours and your family's mm -hmm. reputation. And Susanna says, no, I'll take my chances. No one's going to believe you. No. And and she was she was right. No, no one believed them. But it's if like it's just exactly what you said there. When you think about how many times as a woman you have been approached by people or things have happened, you've heard stories of of women receiving unsolicited comments, advances. It's like why something that was painted hundreds of years ago can still is still repeating stories that are happening every day now is is frightening and again I think the fact that it's when when you look at Susanna here she's just so repulsed by the men that she's just like get away from me because they've but they've betrayed 
their status as elders and as people that, that you look towards, they're completely, they're abusing their power. And again, that's another thing that's, that's very particularly of me too, an abuse of power over women. Yeah, no, completely. I think, and what Artemisia showed, I think that the composition is is quite vindictive uh, of, of, of this painting, yeah, mm-hmm. and probably of her own life. And uh, I love also the drama in it. She, uh, she the, and the focus, the um, Susanna is much larger and bigger than the than the two men. So it's really the focus on Susanna and really fighting for herself, really standing up for herself. I think Artemisia has such strong messages in her painting and she's putting probably a lot of herself in it. And as you said, yeah, the the story of Susanna, she managed to overcome the two men and really show that she wouldn't be manipulated. So I think a lot uh, in Artemisia shows she depicts strong women, she depicts women who are fighting, she depicts um, women standing up for herself. And it's, yeah, I think what I find fascinating, it's the Renaissance, but it's it could be today as well. As of course, we had a lot of evolution when you look at it, uh, especially about the, the woman's right and everything. But as you said, yeah, it's pretty amazing that some of this story is still happening nowadays. It's still about, um, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's so, I know I'd never, I'd never noticed that Susanna actually is, is so much larger than the two men, actually. I think that's a really, a really amazing thing to point out. And it just must have been, again, think about this, she was 17. I don't even think she was allowed to go out without her father's permission. That's how how much women were controlled back then. But men had the freedom to go wherever, wherever they wanted. And, she, and there's accounts of male artists continuously visiting her father's studios. And she, she was renowned for how beautiful she was. So there's no way that she wasn't harassed in any way. So I, I do feel like she's probably digging from experience here because Susanna's just so annoyed and so just fed up looking of or just leave me alone and it's painting that I think a lot of Renaissance paintings do this really well they they look a little bit boring and you don't really know what the story is behind them but actually once once you sort of take the time and, and learn the story and what's actually happening and and think about it a little bit it's incredibly interesting and really powerful particularly particularly this one yeah, no, I agree. I think a lot of the Renaissance painting, maybe uh, women are not so much in, in the foreground. Of course, a lot is painted on, um, yeah, from, from history. But um, I think here she's not scared to put the women in the foreground and really to, to have the women to be uh, in a bold position and really showing uh, her anger and that uh, she's not accepting what, what's going on. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty amazing. And it's, 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 it's really, really, I think it's another strong image when you come across it. You see these two men really menacing and this woman which has to fight and she's naked and these women, this guy, these men's addressed and uh, it's, she's in a vulnerable position. So um, Artemisia really managed to show her vulnerability and how these men were really menacing. And I think you can't be indifferent when you see that painting. It's, um, you have your own way to interpret it, but um, it's, um, it's very, very strong. I think you can't just stay still and think, uh, yeah, this, this, you can see something is happening there and the woman is not accepting it. She's really fighting for herself. Yeah. Um, tell me, was, was this in the National Gallery show? Um, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm, yeah, I'm sure it was because I think it must have. Uh, I'm not sure I saw this painting before. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I think it was yeah in the at National Gallery, and I think that was that that's why I was struck. Uh, yeah, it struck me. Yeah, I mean, because it would just be interesting to know sort of the, the size of it, because I know Artemisia she she did like to work on on very large scale. Um, oh yes, mm. a lot of the painting were really really large. Which again must have just. I always say to people like you you really need to think when when somebody was viewing this, you know and in 1620 and, and you know they didn't have the modern day distractions that we do they don't have Netflix and special effects and all these oh. things and if it in our society today can completely stop you in your tracks and bowl you over what on earth must it have been like to see it freshly painted in the city yeah. with the artist there I mean it just I think Artemisia is more and more becoming, do you know that question that people ask like, oh, if you had an imaginary dinner party, what 10 people or five people oh. dead or alive? <laughs> She's definitely up there. She's one of them. She is one of the guests. <laughs> oh yeah, no, definitely. I would love to meet her. I think this, this is a really amazing woman. And I was lucky enough to see um, one of the, the Judith and Holofan painting in Florence. Oh. I think it was two, two years ago. And um, they're really, yeah, they have this, these special rooms with the red, red walls as well. And it was, yeah, I think it was really amazing to see it in Italy as well. Oh, is that in the Uffizi? Yeah, it was, yeah. So I, all right, I am long overdue another trip out to Florence. I haven't been since I was 21, which is like 10 plus years ago now. But oh my goodness, yeah, I, th I think going back now a little bit older and, and wiser and really sort of understanding what I was, I mean, I, I really appreciated it and, and loved it at the time, but I think to go back and we see all these brilliant things would just be would just be amazing but um speaking of Judith this was a subject that she returned to again and again but there's another painting that you've that you've included as well which I think I had seen but it was but it was uh, again another artist had had uh, attempted the subject and then obviously Artemisia has just completely taken it and, and made it her own and that's Judith and her maidservant yeah, that's right. And I discovered these two versions. So there were um, the two versions at the National Gallery, but I had uh, trouble to find some information on the on the first version. There's a version where you just said it's a small it's a smaller painting where you have the two women together, and the composition is um, their body is facing um, each other, but then the faces are looking away because I think they're scared to um, they're scared to be discovered. At, at some point, you see a woman with a basket. And if you're not looking through too many details, in fact, there's the head of Holofern in it. So they're trying to, it's the moment where they, they escape. And then there's another painting, which was much more dramatic, which uh, where she, she depicts a yellow dress. And so this one is much more dramatic. It's more, I would say, kind of Rajoesque, yeah, <laughs> with a really extra, extraordinary contrast between light and dark element. But I love voice painting because I think this, even the smaller one, I love the composition. The composition is really strong. You see that something is happening in the scene. You're not really sure about it, but then you have to come closer. And the other one is more about dramatic. It's there's more movement, there's more energy. There's really, um, um, yeah, it's it's really about very very strong and bold because she also uses splash of colors, uh, which it, the other one is much more subdued. Yeah, so I've I've looked at the the first one that you're describing a little bit where it's waist up, mm. and I'm looking at the one with the yellow dress, uh, Judith one now, and I just. Oh my gosh, it's just unbelievable. Like the, the vibrant colours and the, the folds of the dress, 
everything about it is this to me is Artemisia at her peak this is phenomenal and, and this is a subject I mean she re when was this I think this was this might have been this 16 1620s 1630 she painted this uh yeah I think the first one was painting 1618 uh, 1619 and then the second one 1623 and you can really see that the maturity also mm. of the painter in it because it's so different I think that the first one is much more it's it's quieter it's uh, even the colors are more subdued but then the second one she goes for it she's really i think maybe she's much more confident in her capability as a painter and um yeah she's really not holding back it's um uh, maybe yeah i think her maturity as a woman and as a painter she it's it's definitely much more stronger yeah absolutely i just think every point of the painting that i'm looking at even um Judith's made sort of putting the head in this in this bag the head is like this really sort of sickly blue green obviously because it's been decapitated it's just the handling's amazing and obviously that this is them depicting as you've said previously their, their moment of of escape and she's perhaps heard a noise you're not too sure what's happening but they're both sort of looking off to the side of the painting perhaps somebody's come like coming towards the tent you just kind of wonder, oh, are they, are they going to get caught? What happens? And I think it's just, I really, she's such a phenomenal storyteller. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, because I'm, I'm a photographer, so as um, the way she uses the light um, really to announce the drama is really, really amazing. And then you have all the details in the, we call it drape. Yeah. The, the draperies yeah which is really really amazing and um the the candlelight uh, which i don't know i guess it must have been caravaggio influence but yeah the sense of detail is and i was lucky enough to see all these painting from close up and it's uh, i find the detail to work really really amazing because uh, she had such a sense of uh, being able to to paint all these little detail to create more drama, to really represent the light, the shadows, and really to invite the viewer into the painting. I think really invite, in, as you said, a, an amazing storyteller. Mm. I don't know if you've seen this, but Google Arts and Culture, they have like teamed up with musicians and there's a series where essentially the musicians pick an artist that they love and they discuss paintings mm -hmm. and they're just like five or six minute videos but lots of different musicians discussing lots of artists and Artemisia has been chosen by an artist called FKA Twigs so she has chosen Artemisia as one of her inspirations and one of and she she speaks funnily enough about the Judith series and sort of points out that when you zoom into these paintings and, and particularly Judith when she's wearing this red this yellow dress mm. there's so, you can even see a very very sort of fight that there's still blood like dripping from the sword and it's very it's just slightly suggested but you can see it sort of also kind of glistening and it like I just think the the detail is is mind-blowing it's so good yeah, no, the detail is amazing. And I think hopefully you one day you will be lucky to see them um, really in the museum. It, it's just amazing. The the the, the work, the I think the, the time she must have spent on this painting. It's uh, and also to create such um 
such drama and really for the for the viewer to be invited and this this amazing storytelling because you look at the picture and you can just create your own stories mm. I mean as it. a photographer Rachel I mean surely I mean what do you admire most about this as an artist yourself is it the composition is it the handling of light I mean from an artist it's yeah definitely the um, um, um the light is really uh, because I uh, when I started photography, I said, I'm going to be a natural light photographer. I'm never going to learn the light in the studio. It's too complicated. And then uh, I had to um, I had to learn about it. And I fell in love with it because I think what you can do with lighting is really amazing. It's You can create drama. And um, of course, it's also the composition. But I think for me, it's um, the light. The, that's what I love in the Renaissance painting is all the, the light, uh, the, the light and shadows they created. Are you calling it? Claire Obscure or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this it is, I think it's because it's really attracting with light, you can attract the attention. Uh, you can create a story with it. So uh, and of course I love the the costume, the everything about this. I, I love everything about this. And the, the primary color she uses, mm -hmm. the, the the strong yellow, the red, and as you said, yeah, the the, the green to show the the decapitated head but it's she she uses i think as a she uses all the tools she could have to uh to create an amazing story it's uh she uses the light she uses the composition she uses the colors and and then all the details yeah i think she's really i don't know she's a well all-rounded artist I yeah and i loved what you said earlier about you can see that she's really sort of coming to her like maturity here i, I like oh mm. it's just it's amazing and anyone that's listening please do go away and have a look at these images or you can find them on my instagram highlights reel under the the number of this episode and I will, i'll tell you again at the end of the episode how how you can view them and yeah so don't worry about that but i would seriously recommend if you're listening at home please go away and have a look at these images if you haven't ever seen anything by artemisia just you're welcome <laughs> you're welcome you're in for a brilliant <laughs> a brilliant surprise and um, yeah for me the light in this is insane and I could talk about this all day but I, I understand I've only got you for a limited amount of time so I think let's move on and talk about your last uh, work which you have sent me and I had this is such a curveball in what I'm used to in terms of Artemisia, whenever I've seen her work before, I don't ever think I've I've seen this one before. You know what? Me neither. In fact, I saw it at the National Gallery, and oh. this is really, really huge. And this is very theatrical. I think it's a huge painting. It's really, uh, I think it's half a wall. It was so big, and of course, it creates a lot of impact. And again, what I love in this painting, it's again a woman fighting off, um, standing up for herself, but also she makes this use of strong colors of the drama and and the man is in a lower position and for me um Kariska she looks much bigger than uh, than the satire yeah. so again it's it's her, her message is here again but yeah I, I first saw this painting at the National Gallery I didn't even know about it but I think I discovered that it has only been recently attributed to um Artemisia I think there's they thought it was a, from another painter yeah and, Interestingly, they hmm. thought it was an, another female painter of her time, though, which I thought was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I read that as well, that they found her, they did some cleaning and then they found her signature on the tree trunk or something, which is really dark, actually. It's a really, really dark hmm. tree trunk. Um, yeah, this was just such a curveball when you sent me this. I was like, oh, I just didn't think this, this would have been 
something that, that she would have done but I I love it and I, what I really love is um Kariska is is once again it's kind of like a woman tricking a man so for anybody that doesn't well this is I had never heard of the story apparently this was um taken from an inspiration from an Italian fable and it was a play mm. and Kariska has been accepting had been accepting gifts from uh the satyr of clothes and sandals and when she accepted them the satyr took this as ah I can I can have my way with you and he tries he tries to rape her and he grabs her by the hair but she's wearing a wig so he's just kind of left holding this wig looking really confused and shocked and it, it lets her escape away from the satyr and um I just loved it because again it's another woman who has been underestimated and seen as this plaything for for this man and she's been like absolutely no way I'm off um well, yeah, it's so and he's just and I love that he's just holding this wig because at, at first glance I was like what on earth is he holding so when I was googling trying to find more information about it I was like oh what a good story yeah and I also read that uh in fact it's also a bit um like in um Susanna and the elders her appearance has been shattered and uh she had and she manages to escape with a dignity as well because at the time I think for women to have long hair and and their hair really is something of representing beauty and uh, but um, she's not pleased about it and she rather escapes and sacrifices her hair than um, being being taken by this by this satire. I mean, I can't even imagine how how this must have looked as a as a full scale because I think. It's, it's not in a public collection, is it? I think it's a private collection. It is a private collection, you're right. Yeah, no, it was. it's one of her biggest painting. I think it made me think of her, of her dad. Her dad's painting, there were two or three of her dad's painting, which were really, really large, like uh, really like a theatre scene. And this one is really one of the largest. And it looks like a theatre. You could be in front of a theatre scene, in fact. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it, see, I think this is the, the, the great trick about when you view art and paintings online I always get the sizing so completely wrong I used to work for a sculpture gallery and the amount of times I would look at an image of a sculpture and then it would arrive at the gallery and it was something that you could hold in your hand and I thought it was going to be this huge monumental thing and <laughs> this thing that I was like oh it's tiny and it turned up and I'm like oh my gosh I need four people to, to move this um yeah I just I love I just wonder what private collection it is and how lucky they are that they just get uh look at something like this every day yeah no it's pretty amazing but what I was surprised as well I think we hear a lot of painters were really struggling uh during the renaissance even just to get uh to get money but she seemed to have a lot of benefactors and what what apparently what they love about about her was um her use of emotion I think maybe oh. the other painters were really a bit more um because they were man, maybe they didn't know how to use the emotion. But yeah, apparently the fact that she was really bold and used a lot of uh, very expressive painting and emotion attracted a lot of benefactors who uh, wanted painting from her. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that she she sent out quite a lot of of paintings as well, just to just to try and say to people, "Oh, this is what I can do. Commission me," um, which is amazing. And she was very much welcomed into artistic communities wherever she went. I mean, I think regardless of of her gender at the time I think no one could deny that she was 
Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. She has been commissioned by kings and uh, yeah, they didn't really look into I think they looked more at her, her talent and what she could do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what an interesting life she must have had. She must have been one of the only women in studios across the world and, and the people that she must have known and, and met at that time as well. Because there's um there's accounts that her and Galileo were quite good friends and that they mixed in the same circles and they used to write to each other. Um, mm. So th they might have great sort of thinkers and artists. And again, I think she also she knew ever so slightly Caravaggio. Um, but yeah, just what things she like it, again. It was it's such a shame that no one that there's no sort of document surviving or that she didn't keep a diary or something like that. So she could just to be in her head for a day and what she experienced. Yeah. But also, I think the Renaissance was a fascinating time. I think, as you say, Galileo, so many things happening. And um, yeah, so she did, she, she, I'm sure she was a very curious mind. And uh, the fact that she couldn't be um, probably maybe get proper education. But um, yeah. I, yeah, it must have been fascinating to live at this time to really, and uh, she was lucky as a woman to be able to to learn, to travel, to um to discover to to go into the right circles to discover all these things who must have been must have had an influence on the painting as well yeah and so what keeps catching me with with this painting is her incredible green sandals under this sort of ochre yellow dress that I just <laughs> I just I would wear them now I love them <laughs> what I I think it's really important to to remind people is this is at a time where you didn't just go into your cupboard and, and open a paint tube and all hmm. paint came. You had to physically mix all your colours. So as well as being an incredible painter, your mixology and sort of science skills in terms of mixing your paints and matching colours, it's just incredible when you when you really, really think about it. And I'm sure maybe she had a studio assistant, I don't know, but really every time she wanted a colour, she would have had to have, have mixed it from scratch. Yeah, I'm sure she did. And what I love also in the Koriska and the Satan is the movement. Uh, mm. It's um, I think maybe it's this woman looks even more free than, than the others because Susanna is sitting down. The others are really over a man. But for me, this one, she's she's in movement. I don't know. She maybe she's evolving even a bit more. Yeah, sure. I suppose because she's kind of been freed from. I don't yeah. know her, her her wig and she's just kind of like oh whatever and, and off she runs but it's it's such a beautiful image I can't stop staring at the the color of the dress and yeah the, yeah and, and it's so funny like I, I can't take my eyes off off the figure I can't take my eyes off uh Kariska I, I just I just can't but in the satire I've kind of eh, okay I've seen him but I, I can't stop looking at, at the female figure and, and I, I suppose that's exactly what she was wanting you to do yeah, no, definitely. No, I agree with you. I love the colour of the dress and all the details. You can just feel the fabric. It's amazing. And then you have this mm -hmm. uh, this purple, um, kind of purple scarf on top of it. And yeah, I think the, the detail is really, you could just feel everything here in the scene and how, how she's moving as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Rachel, I have absolutely loved talking to you about this. And it's been amazing to spend my afternoon sort of down an Artemisia rabbit hole and discussing these incredible paintings. And I'm very, very tempted to go away and, and buy the, the National Gallery um, exhibition catalogue because I'm sure it's filled with essays and, and amazing things. Um, 
but thank you thank you so much I've, I've absolutely loved talking to you oh thank you so much for inviting me joe i've been uh yeah i could talk for about artemisia for ages and um, yeah it's wonderful to speak to someone who is as passionate about artemisia as me so thank you so much yeah it has been oh, wonderful talking you. to you <laughs> no thank you um so before you go and before i, I let you sort of tell where people tell everyone where they can connect with you i do ask everybody one question or i try and remember and ask everybody the same question and it's quite quite a large one so you can make it as large or as specific to you as an artist so and my, and the question is why is art important why is art important you know i um i as a photographer i recently started a final project because um uh, in photography i wanted to I, of course i was influenced by artemisia i wanted to do something a bit more renaissance i started this project i hired costume at the national theater and uh, I, I just and then i had to stop because of covid and i didn't know what i would do with this project and then because maybe i had to stop i realized in fact this project uh, is a bit like artemisia what i wanted to do is to give a voice to women who didn't have one at a time and what i developed i developed um portrait through time so i went from the renaissance to regency time um in the victorian period and i hope to move on and to show bolder and bolder women mm. it's just for me art is a way to express things that um i think it's probably as an artist it's very something that uh, comes from yourself mm. and um for me i call this project the quiet rebellion because it's something nothing is really happening in the pictures but for me it's just little detail it's just starting with maybe a a, a little butterfly fluttering the uh, the wings mm -hmm. and then it's going to move on but it's really also for me through this project is to give a voice to the women who like at artemisia's time they were they were not allowed to be educated they were uh, they were not independent they couldn't really earn money um they had to they belong to a father to brothers to a husband so i think this is really really something very powerful for me and um this is i think art is really a way to express uh things where you are deeply connected with yeah absolutely and oh i, th I think you answered that beautifully there you know it, it it's just a way of communicating with something that words can't that's I just think art is just an unbelievable gift and a gift that keeps on giving and keeps on sparking conversations and I love how people just develop it in their own way and and, and run with it and there's no right or wrong way of doing it either and that that's that's what I love so Rachel please do send me images of um of your quiet rebellion project and I'd, I'd love to share them when uh, when the podcast goes live it would just be it would just be great if, if you're comfortable with me doing that yeah of course I would love to do that yes and um, but once again thank you so much for coming on and where can people find you and connect with you um so people can find me so I'm going to spell my uh because I'm using my maiden name as an artist so uh, they can find me on Instagram and under Rachel Vogelizen so it's Rachel and then v-o-g-e-l-e-i-s-e-n.com and then I have um a website about all my fine art print uh which is called rachelvogelizenprint.com okay that's amazing and I will leave links in the show notes of the podcast for, for people to find 
to find you there. And when I when I post about it on Instagram as well, I'll tag you and add a link to your website so people can explore your work. Wonderful. Um, Rachel, once again, thank you so, so much. I've had a lovely time chatting with you. Me too. Thank you so much, Joe. It has been wonderful. And there you have it, another episode of Joe's Art History Podcast. Once again, I just want to thank Rachel for coming on and speaking so brilliantly about Artemisia Gentileschi. Artemisia is an incredibly interesting artist uh, across the board, really, not only in the time she was making art, but also her ability to secure patrons in a world who really sort of overlooked women in terms of their ability, both in society, let alone artistically and things that she survived and came through and is still this incredible artist so it was a real honour to spend an hour talking about Artemisia. If you've enjoyed this episode please make sure you like, rate and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss another episode and if you are able to it would mean a lot to me if you could leave me a review on either iTunes and you can now leave reviews on Spotify. While you are listening, if you thought of anybody who might like to listen as well, please do feel free to pass on the episode to them. It would be lovely to get as many people as possible listening to the podcast. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free. You can email me, joesarthistory at gmail.com or you can message me via Instagram at joesarthistory. My DMs are always open and it's lovely to hear from listeners. I've had quite a few people message me recently, which is always lovely to hear, and I'm delighted that new people are finding the podcast all the time. It does mean a lot. If you'd like to see any of the images which Rachel and I discussed throughout this episode, please go to my Instagram highlights reel, and this is episode 48. So if you go along to number 48, you'll find the images there. Finally, my name is Jo McLaughlin, your host and your resident art historian here on Joe's Art History Podcast. And I look forward to welcoming you next time. Until then, keep learning and remember, art is for all. Bye.